welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. I always like when my brother says this, so great job giving yourself a hand clap. You can be seated. <laughs> um, like the screen says, my name's Keela. If you don't know me, I'm the middle daughter of Pastor Keith and Sheila. I actually run our internship college here at the church. So that's good. And we have a lot of great staff now because of them. Um, but today, I actually, I really feel like this is a seasonal word for us today. It's a, it's a word for me that God's been speaking to me. And, um, you know, thinking about the end of the year, I know Pastor Keith and Sheila have been really excited about this New Year's Eve service. And for me, New Year's Eve is actually like my favorite holiday. And a lot of people will tell me like, that's not a holiday, but it is. And the reason why I love it is because everything changes in a minute. And so whatever was happening in 2019 or in this last decade, you can change it. You don't have to take it over to the next year. So I, it's just really exciting for me. Plus, Pastor Keith always shares the word of the year. And that's a gr really great and powerful way to start your year is to have a word from God. And he's going to talk more about this. But he's launching his podcast, his first ever podcast. He's going to talk more about it. But I'm really excited about it because... Sometimes during your week, you know, you need something a little extra, and we want to hear from the father of the house, right? And it's going to be about business, family, everything, so it's going to be amazing. Well, today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is called, It's a Setup. And I wanted to start off by just encouraging you a little bit, but also just talking to you about a little bit my perspective. You know, I have dreams, I don't know if you guys have dreams, but I have ways that I want my life to be. I have things that I wanna do with my life. And I think like sometimes it's frustrating because my dreams aren't happening the way I want them to happen or when I want them to happen or how I want them to happen. And I just wanna encourage you to let you know today just to start off by saying, God wouldn't have given you a dream and it not come true. He wouldn't have put something in your heart. He wouldn't have given you that, that thing that drives you if he wasn't gonna help you make it happen. But a lot of times what I've realized in my own life is that I'm the one that's holding back my dreams. And, and it's most of the time because I think it should be done in a certain way or a certain time. Um, and I think that sometimes I'm getting to this place where I'm frustrated, but I just wanna tell you today that God knows how to get you there. And God's not only gonna strategically direct you, but he's also, he's setting up everything around you for you to win. And so going into 2020, I, I want to encourage you, even as I, before I start this message, like have an open heart and an excitement to understand that God's gonna do what you can't. And you don't have to try to figure out how to make it happen. All you have to do is follow him. You know, uh, there's sometimes where I think I'm ready for what God has for me. <laughs> but really I'm only ready for my limited version of it, or I think I am. And then God doesn't actually give it to me the way I want it because it's bigger than what I can think up. And I wanna tell you today, if you haven't had something come to pass, if your dream hasn't happened yet, it's just bigger than what you dreamed. It's bigger than what you imagined. You're gonna need God's help to make it happen. You know, uh, whenever I talk about this, this whole thought process, it kind of reminds me just how frustrating it can be. 
And I found that there's a fine line between frustration and growth. There's something that happens in between frustration that can cause you to grow. And I think that God is constantly allowing us to be pushed and pulled in different directions so that we can grow. I've had this, I've had this quote that's kind of been going on in my head over and over. And that quote is, you cannot grow where you are comfortable. I like to be comfortable. I think that self-care is important and necessary. And I like naps and days off. And I think that it's important for a lot of reasons, but I have come to understand in my life, if I'm wanting to get beyond where I am now, it can't be in my place of comfort. And a lot of times, if you're uncomfortable right now, if you are frustrated, you are setting yourself up and God is setting you up to grow and to have more. But we have to get past the frustration piece and understand that God knows how to get you what you need when you need it. And usually when we're frustrated, that's the greatest, that's the greatest moment that God's setting you up to win for greatness. And I don't know if you've ever encountered a setup. Maybe, maybe you like surprises, maybe you don't. I would say like most people are like, yeah, I like surprises if they're good. <laughs> you know, like we have a surprise party, but then like the other surprises that aren't so good is if like, like a business opportunity blows up or if somebody leaves you in a relationship, that's not like a cool setup surprise. Um, but something that I used to like to do a lot of times whenever I was younger is scare my sister. That was like my favorite thing because she would respond every single time I scared her. It didn't matter if I was sitting right next to her and I went, ah, she'd go, ah, or I would find every single corner I could just to jump out of to see her response. And I think a lot of the time we think that the enemy is winning and setting us up for bad to, or to fail or get hurt, but God is actually setting us up for greatness and to win. And it's, there's like funny little like things that you can draw from in life with that. But I want to start off by telling you a familiar story that you might already know. But I want to pull from some insight from that story that God's even just been speaking to me about. It's a story of Joseph. Some of us have heard of Joseph and the coat of many colors. And it's even been made into a musical before. And there's a lot of different things that have come out in movies about it. But I want to just share this story with you because Joseph, he was from Canaan. And he was the son of Jacob. He had 10 brothers and he was loved by his father and he was kind of the favorite. And he had big dreams and he told his brothers about these dreams. And you know, God had actually given Joseph a dream that his brothers and his family would one day bow down to him. What Joseph didn't know is what he would have to go through to stand in that position one day. Eventually his brothers grew tired of him and all of his dreams and his father favoring him and they wanted to kill him. Cause that's the natural reaction. He's the young brother, I mean, come on. But instead of killing him, they decided to throw him into a pit and let him die. And then another brother suggested, let's not kill him, let's sell him into slavery. And we think we have family issues. <laughs> and then his father basically believes that he's dead, he's sold into slavery. And you know, there are these times in our life where we can feel really alone we can feel really, really isolated. And we feel like nobody understands what this feels like. But God has a purpose for your hard times. He has a purpose for the pits that you're in. He has a purpose for it because that, the hard times, 
That's what I've found is when your anointing and authority is established. And so if you're in a hard time, just know that God's doing something great in you. You know, the enemy, he tries to get us focused on what's happening. He wants us to think that what's happening is happening to you. It's happening to you. But what God's actually wanting us to see is it's happening for you. The enemy tries to get us focused on the scene because our emotions are wrapped up in the scene. You know, how do you see the, the unseen? I mean, I don't know. But God's trying to get us focused on what's in the unseen. And in 2 Corinthians 4, it gives us a little bit of insight into that. It says, our troubles are small. They last only for a short time, but they are earning for us a glory that will last forever. It's greater than all of our troubles. So we don't spend all of our time looking at what we can see. Instead, we look at what we can't see. That's because what can be seen lasts only for a short time, but what can't be seen lasts forever. So how do we see the unseen? You know, it's so easy to focus on what things look like. It's so easy to get discouraged, to think that nothing's gonna work out for our good. I remember conversations I've had with God where I've been like, God, I'd like to see you work this out for my good. Like, I know what the Bible says, but this does not look like, oh, this is gonna be God's plan. But if I look back in the Bible, every single story has like some turmoil in it before we get to God's plan. But we don't consider that for our own life. We can't follow God's plan by looking at what's seen. So how do we do this? We have to trust him. We have to wait on him. You know, strength and endurance is built up in waiting on God. You know, other people around you may be making progress or what seems to be progress, and you're just like over here waiting. I don't know if you've ever been in a waiting room. It's frustrating. But while you're waiting, you're growing when you're waiting on God so that you can sustain all that he has for you. You know, the longer you wait, I've at least been able to see this in my life and in the Bible and different stories, the longer you wait, the greater preparation for the promise. If you haven't gotten it yet, if it hasn't happened yet, that just means it's bigger than what you could have imagined. Waiting doesn't mean that nothing is happening. It just means that God is doing the work that you can't. Your position during difficulty matters. We tend to think that a setup is only for the negative, but God is constantly setting us up to win. He's constantly setting us up to be successful. It just doesn't always look how we think. So while we're in difficulty, our position matters. When Joseph's in the pit, his position in that pit mattered. Your response is more important than what's actually happening to you. God will orchestrate what's ordained in your life. It's already set up. Your life and your story is already set up, but your perspective in difficulty matters. So our position matters in difficulty and our perspective matters in difficulty. We tend to think that a setup is a negative thing. I mean, I could say it over and over, but it's just true. Like you, you miss the job opportunity. Oh. You missed the light, oh. <laughs> What if that was a setup because God was protecting you? What if that was a setup because God has a bigger opportunity? We get so focused on what it looks like. If someone has gotten what you wanted or what you dreamed of, don't be upset. I'm saying this from experience because there's been things that I've wanted and it hasn't worked out. But guess what I found? 
It just means that God has better for you. If that job didn't work out, if that friendship, if that relationship, if that business alignment, whatever it was, that dream, if it didn't work out, great. That actually just means there's more for you. That means that there's more than what you could have imagined. You know, people in life, they can try to write you off. They can misunderstand you just like we see with Joseph and his brothers. But God loves to use people that other people would never expect. You know, the Bible says when God's purposed it, who can stop it? I'm just gonna give you a few examples. David, he was the rejected and least thought of son. He was out in the field, but he was chosen as king. Do you know it took him 13 years to get there though? Moses, an adopted out of place man with a stutter who was insecure, led God's chosen people out of slavery. He had to get over his own insecurities for God to use him. Jesus, the son of a woman who got pregnant at 16 and was unmarried, was the savior of the world. In today's like world, we wouldn't look at that situation and be like, wow, that must be the savior of the world. No, we'd be looking at what it looks like. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, no one has seen, heard, or imagined what God has prepared. God does things that are bigger than we could accomplish on our own. That's why we need him in our life and we need to stop trying to do it on our own because you're never gonna get there if you keep trying to do it on your own because it's bigger than you. That's why it's a God dream. Genesis 39, so the story continues. So while Joseph was in slavery, he found favor in his master's eyes. In verse three, it says, soon Potiphar realized that the Lord was helping Joseph to be successful in whatever he did. He became the right hand of his master Potiphar until he was wrongly accused by his master's wife and thrown in prison. Well, just as he found favor, he gets wrongly accused and thrown into prison. I mean, think about it. You go from a pit, then you're in, then you're in slavery, you get sold, and then you're in this house, and all of a sudden the, the master's like, wow, you're great, I'm gonna make you my right-hand guy, and then you get thrown into prison. It's like the guy can't catch a break. But what if the closed doors are actually a setup to get you where you need to be? What if the closed door is actually a setup for your promotion? You know, we can look at this situation with Joseph and we're like, yeah, it's a, sure, if we know the story, it's a setup. But what about your life? Because with Joseph, God used this wrongful accusation to get him into a position for greatness. What if God's using the things that you've gone through that are unjust, that are wrong? Like, I'm the kind of person I want justice. Like, if, if something happens or if you do something, like, justice. Like, and it's not just for you, it's for me too. I believe in it. <laughs> But like, think about this situation. God was actually using it for his benefit. Then we see in Genesis 39, he's in jail. And it says, when Joseph was in jail, he found so much favor with the jailer that in verse 22, it says, he put him in charge of all the other prisoners and of everything that was done in the jail. Well, that's not the promotion I was looking for, God. Thank you for letting me be over. What is there to be over in jail? Clean up clean up, probably just that, clean up, order, clean up, you know? It's not the promotion I was thinking of, and sometimes our life can look like that, like something happens and we get another opportunity, we're like, <laughs> I don't know if this was the best option, God. This wasn't what I dreamed of. But God continued to favor Joseph and bless him wherever he was and whatever state he was in. You know something that makes me mad about this story? I told you I'm a justice person. He's in prison. He meets 
the king of Egypt, okay, at this time, the king of Egypt, his chef and his assistant, they're in prison too. They have these dreams. Remember, Joseph is a dreamer. He, he knew about dreams. He was able to interpret dreams. So he hears these guys, they have these dreams. And he's like, I can help you with those dreams. He interprets their dreams. And all he does is he turns to the guy who was the king's assistant. And he goes, hey, all I ask is that you just don't forget me. That's all he said. He didn't say like, hey, dude, can you score me a Chick-fil-A sandwich? Like, no, he just said like, just don't forget me. And he waited in prison for two years after that conversation, forgotten when that man was released and brought back into good graces with the king. So this guy's good with the king now. He knows that Joseph was wrongfully accused. Joseph's able to help him out. And he's like, dude, just don't forget me. Something that I can learn from this in my own life is don't let people or their responses talk you out of what God's put in you. Just because... Just because people might overlook you, people might forget you, people might not like you or talk bad about you doesn't mean that God doesn't have a great plan for your life and God can make anything happen. He can use even your enemies to make it happen. So for two years, he waited in jail. Have you ever felt like, I don't even know how long he was in there before that. Have you ever felt like God sees you, he knows that you need something, he sees that you're in need, but somehow, what you needed to happen is not happening. You're, you're sitting there and you're like, I've been, I've been like this with God, whether it's with my health and a diagnosis or whether it's with relationships or finances. I've been like, God, like, you know me. I love you. I want to use my life for you. And I want to like do great things and be generous. But like, God, can you help me? I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you're like, God, I just need you to come through. But you know what's so amazing is Joseph's response after this. So after the two years, in Genesis 41, it says, the king sent for Joseph, who was quickly brought out of jail. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to the king. The king said to him, I had this dream, yet no one can explain what it means. I am told that you can interpret dreams. Your majesty, Joseph answered, I can't do it myself, but God can give me a good meaning to your dream. So two years later, the king is having these dreams. He needs someone to interpret them all his magi people and all of his smart people around him can't figure it out. And this assistant goes, I might know somebody actually. And they go quickly get him out of prison. Well, the thing I want to point out at first about this scripture, I love the Bible points out that Joseph prepared to see the king. But while promotion happens quickly, preparation does not. He was preparing years before he ever saw the king but he still took the time to shave and clean himself up and look right. I love that, that the Bible takes the time because how often have we shown up to this moment? We, we, we want this moment to happen, but it doesn't happen. But could we really answer, have we prepared for it? We want the right marriage, we want the right job, we want the right opportunity, but are you prepared for that moment? How great is what God has for you? I think it's pretty great. So maybe it's going to take some time to prepare for that greatness. You know, we all have this place in our lives that I like to call frustration, where we thought God would. Like, well, I, God, I thought you would save my marriage. God, I thought you would save my relationship. Well, God, I thought you would save that, that opportunity for me. 
We have that related to your own life. You have something you know you thought God would, but just because he didn't do it how you thought, when you thought, doesn't mean that he's not working. It just means it's not your plan. You know, Joseph didn't try to do life on his own. That's the other part I love about the scripture. When he's asked, can you tell me what my dream means? He says, I can't do it myself, but God can give a good meaning to your dream. That's why he had favor everywhere he went because he knew he couldn't do it on his own and he didn't even try. You know, everywhere he went, it said in these verses that he found favor. You know, with Potiphar, it said that Potiphar, the only thing he had to worry about was what he was gonna eat. That would be nice, you know? I might be able to figure out what I wanna eat sometimes. Most of the time, I'm like, I don't know. But that's all I was thinking about. But then like with the king of Egypt, it said he didn't have to worry about anything eventually because Joseph was with him. The jailer didn't have to worry about anything. I wanna be that type of person, that God's favor is so on me that people are just like, here, take this, take this promotion. Nah, you know, I have some extra money laying around. Let me bless you. <laughs> That's, that would be really great. Does anyone else think that would be great? You just found favor everywhere you went. But you know, while we are the children of God and we're blessed, favor happens when you put God in the right place. You know, we all want God to show up for us. Like, God, yeah, thank you, do this, yeah. Mm -hmm. God, can you come and uh, fix that? Thanks. We want God to show up for us, and we expect him to show up for us, and we get upset when he doesn't show up for us, but what if we put God in his rightful place, then he could show up for us? A lot of times, God's not the Lord over our job. He's not the Lord over our relationship. He's not the Lord over our marriage, over our parenting. And somehow we're confused at why he's not showing up like he can. You know, God knows what you need, when you need it, and he knows how to get it to you. In Isaiah 65, 24, this is so encouraging. It says, before they even call out to me, I will answer them. Before they finish telling me what they need, I will have already heard. God already knows what you need. It's already set up. Everything that you're called to be, everything that you need to do, God has it set up. You know, and in Psalms 119.91, it says, all things serve you. You won't get as frustrated in life when you understand everything serves his plan. When you don't get the opportunity you wanted, when that doesn't work out, it's easy to understand when you understand his place, everything serves his plan and he's working it out for my good. Opposition is not a negative. It helps you get set up to grow. Joseph's life was filled with seeming setups and setbacks on the surface. But in fact, these were the very situations that matured him, tested him, and ultimately set him up for God's plan. It's all setting you up to win. God causes anything that's happened in your life to set you up for the destiny he has for you. So whatever happened this last decade, whatever happened in 2019, I don't care if it was negative, positive, middle, you don't even remember it, it's all setting you up to win. It's all setting you up for the great future that God has for you. You know, God uses negative things like sandpaper. It takes off the rough edges. It makes you better, sharper, stronger, more mature. In Psalms 37, 23, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. In another version, it says, our steps are ordered by the Lord. Have you ever felt like you were trying to do the right thing and the wrong things just kept happening? I have, I'm like, I did it. I did it the way that like I was taught. I did it the best that I could and it's not working out. 
Well, like I said earlier, you can't always control what happens around you or to you, but you can control your response. It's the most important thing you could do. Joseph chose to respond to his difficulty in such an amazing way. You know, back in the biblical times, what you named your children was a big deal. It meant a lot. In Genesis 41, it shows us that Joseph and his wife had two sons before the famine began. Their first son was named Manasseh, which means God has let me forget all my troubles and my family back home. His second son was named Ephraim, which means God has made me a success in the land where I suffered. You know, what you put a name to, it matters. What you call something matters. Every single time he saw his sons, it was a reminder that God used everything for his good, that he was trusting that God was still going to work things out. You know, success is something that we all want. You know, if you're bold enough to say it, you would agree. You'd say, yeah, I want to be successful. But too often we find ourselves founded in the purposes that we think are important over the purposes of God. You know, my brother, he a couple years ago told this quote that my great-great-grandmother said. And she said, God never asked us to be successful. He asked us to be faithful. You know, it's God that brings you success. God uses these obstacles in our life as preparation. And you know, if you pray and you're believing and the situation is not changing, the only thing I could tell you that I've learned is that God is using the situation to change you. God allows this opposition so that we're trained to win. If everything was easy, we wouldn't be ready for the greatness that God has for us. You know, there was this study that was done where they brought these bees to space. And there's been a lot of studies since, but one of the studies that talked about where they brought these bees, they wanted to see what they did when they were in this like flightless atmosphere, right? So at first they're flapping their wings, kind of going in all different directions. And they realized they didn't have to flap their wings. They could just float. And it was, they were just chilling, seemed like they were happy. But on the fourth day, they all died. And what the researchers found is that they needed resistance to survive. They needed resistance to continue to grow and be strong. You know, another study that actually has been done on bees, I don't know if you know about the bee epidemic in the world, but all the bees are dying. And they've been trying to figure out why. Is it pesticides? Is it global warming? What they've concluded is it's stress. One bee gets stressed out, another bee in the hive gets stressed out, then the whole hive stresses out, and then they all die. It's really interesting if we allow frustration to move to stress, if we allow ourselves to live in this stressful place and we don't put God in the right place and we're looking at what's seen, we're not gonna be able to live the life that God has for us. You know, growth happens when you face resistance. The problem actually prepares you for the promotion. You know, Paul asked God three times in the Bible. He asked God, remove this thorn from my side, which was a metaphorical thorn. God's response was not like, okay. His response was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You know, some, somehow we think that God only meant for us to have like good days, good moments, good experiences, but doesn't he use everything for his glory, good and bad? You know, I read a little bit uh, in Psalms 119, but I want to read here in verses 71 through 77. It says, my troubles turned out all for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook. Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. 
With your very own hands, you formed me. Now breathe your wisdom over me so I can understand you. When they see me waiting, expecting your word, those who fear you will take heart and be glad. I can see now, God, that your decisions are right. Your testing has taught me what is true and right. Oh, love me and right now, hold me tight, just the way you've promised. Now comfort me so I can live, really live. Your revelation is the tune I dance to. You know, it's so easy in our life when we face hard times and we go through something to talk to our friends, to get their perspective. Maybe we even go to social media, which is even worse. And we vent and we see what other people are saying about it. But you know, you're not gonna find your answers inventing or getting someone's perspective on your situation. You're gonna get your answers and the truth from God's word. In Joshua 1, 3, 3 and 5, it says, I will give you, I will give all of you every place you walk on. No one will be able to oppose you as long as you live. I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will never leave you. I will never desert you. God is with us. And he's giving us territory that we didn't even pay the price for. Did you know that even people who betray you are a part of God's plan? You know, Andy Stanley's dad, Charles Stanley said, oftentimes God demonstrates his faithfulness and adversity by, pro by providing for us what we need to survive. He does not change our painful circumstance. He sustains us through them. You know, God actually sent Joseph to Egypt on purpose. There was a bigger plan than him just overcoming all the negative that he faced. And I found this scripture in Psalms 105. And I wanna just share with you how this story ends and how it relates to our lives. It says, so God decreed a famine upon Canaan, which was where he was originally from, cutting off their food supply. But he had already sent a man ahead of his people to Egypt. It was Joseph who was sold as a slave. His feet were bruised by strong shackles. His soul was held by iron. God's promise to Joseph purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. Eventually, the king of Egypt sent for him, setting him free at last. Then Joseph was put in charge of everything under the king. He became the master of the palace over all the royal possessions. Pharaoh gave him authority over all the princes of the land. Joseph became the teacher of wisdom to the king's advisors. Then Jacob, with all of Joseph's family, came from Canaan to Egypt and settled in Goshen. God made them very fruitful. They multiplied incredibly until they were greater in number than those who ruled him. Isn't it interesting to think that we look at Joseph's story and we see that poor boy, his brothers hated him and threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. And then he was imprisoned again. Like God, how is that a part of your plan? Well, if we're looking at just those parts, you can't see it. But if you look at this scripture, which is a, a looking back on the story, you see God sent him. God sent him ahead of his people. And he went, this is the guy that I can trust who's gonna handle these situations so that I can actually feed my people in this famine so I can take care of my, my chosen people during this hard time. I'm gonna set him up right next to the king. What if you're that guy? What if you're that girl that God goes, I know it's gonna be hard. I know you're gonna go through tough times, but it's sandpaper. And I am entrusting you with the call to lead that situation, to lead that relationship, to lead that job, because I've sent you. So often we're looking at what it feels like and what it looks like and how hard it is, but we can't see all that God's doing. 
What if we not only trusted God, but we also trusted his timing? I think it's easy to say, I trust God, but it's harder to say I trust his timing because it's never yours. It's almost like when God's timing happens, like it's like, whoa, okay, that was his timing. But the whole time waiting up for it, you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing, God? Are you there? You know, we want God to do it fast. We want him to do it now. But anointing is developed in the process and you are only prepared with a price. God will use what comes against you to move you into your calling. You know, Jacob and Rachel, they named their son Joseph, which in Hebrew meant increase. If I look at his life when he was 17 and he was sold into slavery, I don't see increase. If I look at when he was 30, okay, he's finally brought before the king, but that was 13 years waiting. Then when he's 40, his dreams finally come to pass that he saw when he was a young boy at 17. That's 23 years later. I'm not like in my natural human mind seeing increase right there. But did you know God's timing is not our timing? He doesn't see 13 years, 23 years and go, wow, that's a long time. No, he's got the long game in mind. He's got it planned long way out. And guess what? We get to be a part of it. You know, the heat can be turned up in our life, but God controls the temperature. He only allows things in our life that help us, improve us, and refine us. You know, there was a story I once told, and I think it, I think it fits really great with this, this story I've been telling, but these ladies, they were in a Bible study, and this one woman, she decided to call up a silversmith because they had been talking about the refining process in their Bible study. And she made an appointment with him to watch him at work. She didn't mention really why she was there. She just said that she just wanted to see how the refining process of silver worked. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and he let it heat up. And he explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver right in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest so, the, so to burn away the impurities. The woman thought about how God's holding us sometimes in a really hot spot. Then she thought again about this verse where he sits as the refiner and the purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time while the silver was being refined. The man answered, yes. He not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. For if the silver was left for even a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment and then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? And he smiled at her and he answered, oh, that's the easy part, when I can see my image reflected in it. I think so often we're in the middle of the fire process. Like there's things in our life that God's burning away, not because we're bad, not because it's just not whatever, it's because it's not useful for where he's trying to take you. You know, there's parts of us that, that are misunderstood at times by other people, but they're parts of us that God wants to use. But then there's also other parts that they just need a little bit of sandpaper. I look back on this past decade in my life and I'm ready to move on to a new decade. I don't know about you guys, but I'm like so ready for it. But I look at this story of Joseph and I think, man, that was such a big journey that he had to get through and he never stopped putting God in his rightful place and he never stopped finding favor. And I wanna be that kind of person. 
Like going into 2020, I want to say, God, here I am. Send me. I want to be that kind of person that you can send into the fire. And I know that you're just refining me. You're not going to hurt me. You're not going to let me get too far gone. Sometimes when we feel the most isolated and alone, we just let the enemy continue to mess with us like no one else understands. No one else has been through this. And God's sitting there in the background going, you can do it. Keep going. Don't grow weary in well-doing because you're going to reap a harvest if you don't faint. And then somehow on the other side, when we get to the other side, we're like, God, I'm so grateful I kept fighting. I'm so grateful I stood and I waited on you. I want to be the type of person that I can hear the words from God, well done, my good and faithful servant. And not just at the end of my life, throughout my life. And so today, you know, maybe you're, you're the type of person, you're like, well, I don't know God. He doesn't have that place in my heart. Or maybe you've gotten away from it. Or maybe, maybe you're like me today and you say, I want God to use me like never before in 2020. I want to be the, the type of person that puts him in this place where he can show up. I don't want to get in the way. Maybe you're that kind of person today and you just want to be faithful so that he can make you successful. I just want to pray with you and we're just going to keep our eyes open. And if you're for either one of those things, you want prayer, just lift up your hand because we still got to be these people when we leave. And these are the people that are going to love you. So let us encourage you along the way. So if you would like to accept Jesus in your heart for the first time or recommit it, or you say, God, I just want more of you in 2020 and I want to be faithful, just lift up your hand. That's awesome. So if you would repeat this first prayer after me and then I'm going to pray for you after. So everyone bow your heads and say this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. Forgive me of any mistakes I've made. Come into my heart. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, I thank you for every person that raised their hand, that you would give them wisdom and knowledge, understanding, divine favor with you and divine favor with men. That God, you would come and you would be their provider. You would be their sustainer. God, you would be their peace. God, I thank you that even in the midst of hard times, even in the midst of great times, you are right there with us. God, I thank you that you use opposition to refine us and prepare us for greatness. That God, we wouldn't get dissatisfied or distracted or frustrated, but we would just remind ourselves we're growing. We're growing. Every opportunity is an opportunity to grow. So God, I just pray that you would help us with our endurance, that you would help us with our focus that we would not grow weary in well-doing, but God, in 2020, just like I saw Pastor Sheila post today, it would be double-double of anything that we could have ever thought or imagined, that we would see you greater, that we would hear you greater. God, that as we're faithful, we would see success on a whole nother level. God, I speak peace in the hearts of every single person who is ending this year, that you would just be with them. God, that you would help them understand that you are for them, that you have greatness for them. And it is going to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.